be here today. <clears throat> I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm especially happy. <clears throat> Finally. We'll see. But uh, you can see here on the slide, emotionally healthy spirituality, grown emotionally healthy adult or emotionally mature adult. We've, if you haven't been around lately, um, we've been in this amazing series and class on Monday nights about becoming emotionally healthy. And uh, we talked about things like what is God trying to do in us when, when we hit a wall, when we feel stuck, being patient at those walls, letting God do whatever it is he needs to do in us to become the people we need to be to accomplish his purposes on earth. I've looked at what is a biblical model for experiencing grief and loss and how do we work through those things in a way that honors us and sees God come alive in us and, and um, a bunch of other things. And then, like I said, we've had a class on Monday night to go even deeper in that. But for me, emotionally healthy spirituality is really about loving well. I want to love well. I want to love God the best I can. I can't do that if I don't love myself or if I don't know myself. How can our relationships improve with God and others? How can we let somebody know who we are if we don't know who we are? And, and, it, and more importantly, if we don't know our identity in Christ, if we don't know that we're treasured children of the Most High God, if we don't know that when God sees us, he, he sees Jesus and that it's all taken care of, and that the reason that it's called good news is that it's already happened. That's already finished. It's not up, to, not up to us to strive for it or to make it happen or just try harder or just read the Bible more or just pray more often. All those things can be good, but they don't bring us closer to God because all that work is done as soon as we believe in Christ, right? So we're going to look at a very famous story in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 10. If you want to get ready for that, Luke chapter 10. It's known as the story of the Good Samaritan. You can turn there. But one thing I realize that I do, that I'm guilty of, and I think a lot of people who speak on Sunday mornings might be guilty of, is I tell you what I think of a scripture passage, or I tell you what I think you should get out of it. You know, we don't really equip you to read it on your own, ask questions for yourself when you're reading through the Bible. And then we wonder why people don't read the Bible. That's partially my fault. So if it's all right with you, I'm gonna give you not only um, this story and what I think might be some application points for it, but also give you some questions to ask when you read through the scriptures on your own, which hopefully you do. And, um, but that requires a couple things. It requires honesty, all right? So can we promise to be honest this morning with ourselves and with God and at least one other person? Is that okay? All right. So let's start right now. Turn to the person next to you. Take one minute, 30 seconds apiece. Tell that person, how are you really doing? How are you really doing in a few words? All right, good. It looks like that wasn't so hard, maybe. 
All right, so let's start in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. I'm going to read this, the, this story, and here's, what I, here's the first question. The first question I want you to ask yourself or be listening for, who am I in the story? Is it describe what these people say? And, and by the way, I think it's important to remind ourselves, it's not just a book of stories. These are real people in real places in real times dealing with real stuff and a very real God. So when you hear this, be thinking, who am I in this? Who can I relate most to based on where you've been lately in your life? Ready? One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. And he said, teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So for some of you, maybe some alarm bells are going off. I know they are for me. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus, as he often does, does not give us the answer we want. He gives us the one we need. And he does that by telling a story. Jesus replied with an illustration. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he passed by on the other side as well. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference the next time I'm here. Now, which of the three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Uh, how about we just let those people go and do the same? The people who are already stopping and helping. But that's not it. So who are you this morning? Don't say it out loud, but maybe to the person next to you, take another minute. Are you the teacher of the religious law looking for a loophole, right? Uh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love most people, right? But there's gotta be some that it's okay that I don't love, right? Are you that person? Are you the professional caregiver who's maybe too busy or doesn't wanna get their hands dirty and you see a need or you see something that's a little messy and you just keep trucking? Have you been the person lately who maybe sees the need, pauses, and then keeps going? Which I feel like was me for the last few months. I called this the summer of U-turns because I would be either literally driving down the road or going along my way, going along my day, and I would see something I would feel a leading from God, and I wouldn't be 
immediately obedient. I'd keep going and then, all right, and turn around, pull a UE and go back. It happened right over by the school, the school that Kevin referenced earlier at the junior high. After Sunday on a church, driving home or driving probably to get lunch, let's be honest. And um, Kevin and Brenda were helping somebody whose car installed and they were pushing it and and I had a moment where I'm like, they got it. <laughs> they got this. What am I going to do? And I was like, no, I should stop and see what I can do too. And I'm so thankful for that example, by the way. Thank you. It's nice to see people in leadership who are actually walking the talk, not just talking the talk, isn't it? So for me, it was about U-turns. Not immediate, immediately obedient, go down the road a little bit, felt convicted, stop, turn around, and try to help. Or maybe you feel like the Good Samaritan. You feel like that's all you're doing lately, is <laughs> stopping and attending to everybody else's needs. And that's, and that's gotten tiring. Or maybe you've gotten a lot of satisfaction out of it, and you know that's right where God has you, and it's a sweet spot for you. Or maybe you're the victim. And maybe you're on the side of the road, bleeding, hoping somebody would notice and stop and help. So take another minute, turn to the person next to you. Who do you think you might be in this story? You got an idea? Good. So that's one question. Who am, who am I in this story? Right? Who have I been lately? Okay. The next set, set of questions I want to throw out at you is this. What does this passage, passage that I'm reading, what do these verses say, or the story in this case, what is this story say um, about me? We've talked about that a little bit. What does this passage of scripture or, or this section or this chapter of the story say about God? And then lastly, in community, what does this passage or story say about the church and what kind of church we're supposed to be? And hopefully there's some immediate takeaways, maybe some Again, some bells are going off for you, and you can see that. Um, I'll just start with me. What does it say about me? What I would hope it would say is that I'd like to be immediate, immediately obedient. I'd like not to have to 
go a little farther down the road, pull a U-turn and go back and do what I think God is telling me to do. I think for me it says that I need to be open and aware of the suffering around me. Not be in such a hurry to clean my town up, but really look at the needs that are there and want to meet them. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that has that heart as well, a heart of compassion, heart of understanding what it might be like for somebody else, even if we don't get it, and be willing to ask hard questions of ourselves and of our town as well, our community. I would hope that it would say that I wouldn't be um, the kind of temple assistant who would look and then turn away because it was too hard. Because what do we notice about this response? What do we notice about the Good Samaritan? Speaking of emotionally healthy and being emotionally mature, what did this person do? And maybe let's start with what they didn't do. They didn't bring the person home, say, you're living with me from now on. A lot of us do that. See somebody in need, we have no boundaries around it. And the next thing you know, we're in trouble too because we haven't wisely applied resources. We just, our, our, our heart, which was in the right place, just went, I can fix this, yeah. right? You're going to live with me. You're going to drive my car. Your life will no, no longer be your own. Trust me. What else didn't the Good Samaritan do? Anybody have a guess? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't publicize it, right? He didn't stop and take a selfie first. Can you just look real quick, right? He didn't draw, draw attention to himself. He didn't help the person then run home and make a Facebook status about it. Guess what I did, right? Which is okay, I guess, if you're trying to draw awareness to, to an issue, to use social media. But he didn't make it about him. He'd say, oh, look at me. He quietly helped. Beginning of Matthew chapter 6 says, says that's how we're supposed to do our good deeds in secret. To be honored by our Father in heaven, not by men. Because if you do it for men, that's your reward. You got it. That's, that'll be what you have coming to you. And that's okay, I guess, for some. But I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant from my Jesus. What else didn't he do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He didn't start uh, pumping the victim with questions is what he said, right? There are a lot of uh, crimes, and we're going to talk about one in a second, that uh, we do a lot of victim blaming, right? He didn't see this, I'll get to you in just a second. He didn't see this robbery victim and then said, well, what were you doing walking this late at night by yourself? Or how much did you have to drink, right? Didn't ask him these Ridiculous questions that we ask people of some, of some victims of some crimes. What were you doing here? Why were you carrying that much money? Yeah. He was told by his culture he wasn't supposed to associate with those people. Right. Yeah. He put aside the cultural and ethnic differences that they have. Thank you. Sure. What else? Anything else that you see emotionally mature and healthy response with the Good Samaritan? What didn't he do? Well, let's look at what did he do. 
what stands out to you about his response for help in this case? What do you see there as a mark of wisdom and maturity? Compassion. Compassion, yeah. Measured compassion, right? Gave him a certain amount of money. Somebody said something over here. Ted? He, uh, I mean, like in our society, everyone's so worried about blood-borne pathogens. He, like, himself damaged up his wounds. Yeah. You know, and didn't care about his own. Yeah. There's some trust in God about his health and safety when he stopped to help, for sure. Anybody else? Something, anything that stands out to you about the Good Samaritan's response? Yeah. Yeah. He actually had to slow down, take some time out of his day. But then he carried on with his business, right? We see that in the story. He didn't let it take over his life. Provide some follow-up care. Right? Told the innkeeper, if there's more care required, let me know. We'll jump that bridge then. Anything else? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't see a lot of pause and deliberating about it. Just, hey, there's a need. I can meet that need or help meet that need. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. today's times and you know if we're very connected with the Lord God will give us discernment and that discernment will let you know from God danger are okay and unfortunately we have we live in a society where so many good Christians really good solid Christians want to stop and help but then they end up getting hurt so when in doing so, I'm just saying because of who I am as a woman of God, as also a police officer, okay, retired, I have to say, yes, this is wonderful, and we have to love one another. We can love them, but if God says to you in, in, a, in an instant where somebody's stranded on the side, go to, immediately to what your inner soul is telling you, or spirit, not soul, but the spirit is telling you whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, you have to practice discernment, absolutely. Listen for God. Anybody else? As I've hopefully matured in God and gotten older, I've become aware of issues that um, initially make me want to Across the other side of the street and I recognize it or I think I recognize it and I go I don't know if I want to know more about that one last question for you take a second the person next to you what what's something that might cause you to cross the other side of the street about that if you saw that happening or, or somebody was going through something that you think would just be too painful for you to get involved with or, or understand more fully. It just, you know, you're not ready for that or, or, or maybe God's bringing you there but not there yet. Just take a second. What, what makes you sort of just internally cross on the other side of the street?
say, as we get older, we look at life a whole lot different. The things around us that we thought were important, we learn that they're not so important. It's where we are trying to get to. Like the, the Samaritan, he may have been a, a much older man. And he's at that point where, you know, hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. I'm still going to do what I can because Christ showed compassion for me. I'm going to show up for him. And whatever happens, happens. One last thing about me, as it relates to the story and, and the example of the Good Samaritan, um, many of you may know that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and um, I had some experience working in that field uh, before I moved here, and uh, it was tough for me as, it became, as I came to know the reality of, of uh, intimate partner violence and domestic abuse in this country. And um, the one in three women and the one in six men who experience that in their lifetime. And um, just the cost that it wrecks in families, in relationships, in kids' lives. And uh, we've been having some discussions uh, during the week as a staff about what is our response supposed to be as a church in this community along uh, on that issue. And to not be the professional priests who are in a bit so busy they can't stop and say God like you were saying God what is my part supposed to be if any and um, you know it's an issue that the church in this country hasn't had the best track record for so far I think we have an opportunity to change that and um, you know bef before I moved here I had a friend in Illinois who uh, was in and out of a an abusive relationship and had my own little experience with thinking about the Good Samaritan. Um, long story short, I ended up going and picking her, picking her up a couple times from the city and 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 um, having her stay with me for a few days and and uh, it was interesting because even though I was working in that field, like I violated some of my own rules, you know, because I tried to help her all on my own and. Um, and because I'd known her for so long, it was very hard for me to, to have a good mental boundaries around it, emotional boundaries around it. And, um, and like so many victims do, uh, right now the average is about seven or eight times of, of a person going in and out of a relationship if they finally do leave, before they finally make that change for good. And, um, you know, when she went back to her abuser, like, I have to admit, like I pulled, I pulled away. I looked away, and I, I didn't reach out to her as much. I didn't say, "Hey, how are you doing?" Um, I was angry and and just sad. And it was part of the reason that you're never supposed to be a one-person team when it comes to helping somebody in that situation. So that was a good lesson for me. And um, you know, re recently we've gotten back into touch, and 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 she's left. Uh, that person, hopefully for the last time. And I just asked her, I said, what would you want people to know about how to have an emotionally healthy, mature, loving response to somebody who's in a situation like that? 
So if it's all right with you, I'd like to read a little bit of what she sent me. And she wrote that, uh, uh, tell them that abuse comes in many forms. And I think that's a good point because a lot of times when we hear domestic violence, we think of hitting or, or punching or somebody who might have bruises. But the most common form is emotional abuse and also financial abuse. And she said, just because you don't see bruises doesn't mean that he or she isn't suffering just as much. She goes on to say that nobody likes it. Nobody stays because they must like it. Nobody stays because they like it. Think about the reasons you don't walk out of your door right now in your reasonably healthy relationship. Are you financially dependent? Do you have kids? Do you think your spouse can change if needed? And we thought ours were capable of change too. And then she says, don't walk away even when you think you can't listen to a minute more. Even, even if you're done with them tolerating the abuse or they go back to their abuser, they're sharing with you because they trust you and they love you. So have their back in wise ways with discernment. Wait for them or help them think of solutions. Keep the line of communication open. Walk away for a different reason, not when they're suffering. And then lastly, she writes, if you see something or sense something, speak up. And ask the person you think is being abused. Silence is not golden. Never stay silent if you know. That's just enabling. And uh, when she sent me that, I did the sort of weak half apology and said, oh, thank you for sending me that. And if I ever blew any of those things with you, I'm so sorry. And then like crossing my fingers, I'm like, I hope I didn't. And then um, she wrote back and it's like, well, yeah, you walked away, but everybody did. And, um, you know, I, I so much because of my own ego, my own pride and my own stuff, wanted to be the one person who didn't and wanted to be, you know, Savior Steve or Rescue Ricky or whatever and be the one person who didn't. But that's what happened. And then with a lot of grace, she said, I'm just glad we're talking again. And I'm glad you get to see me making a change and living a different way and getting my life together. I'm just glad you're here. Like, all right. You may have noticed the uh, artwork in the lobby. And then we have the Cub Scouts here. You know, as a church, we're trying to notice our neighbors. We're trying to be a good community partner and not just a place that's open for an hour on Sunday. You know, we have a daycare, we have a lot of things going on during the week that make me really proud to be a part of this church. And I think as we do those things, we grow, grow closer to the heart of God. I love partnering with the junior high. I love that, you know, not to get people to come to church, but just that, hey, we have this space, let's let it be used. Let's make the most of what God has given us to impact the community for good and with love in emotionally healthy and mature ways. And that was one of the questions. What, what does this passage say about not only who am I supposed to be as an individual Christian, what, not only does, what does it tell me about God, right? That he rescues those who are crushed in spirit, he's close to the brokenhearted, that he does speak to us and tell us how to respond in situations if we listen. <laughs> but then what does it say about our church? kind of church do we want to be? 
our get like Kevin was saying, our giving and our what we learn about um, what the word says, it should make us uncomfortable a little bit. That's how we know learning is taking place. If you bought a gym membership and were never sore, you'd you'd probably want your money back. <laughs> right? That's a sign that you're growing, that that change is happening, that you're improving, right? It's good to be uncomfortable. Sit with it. We talked about that when, when we come to our, our journey to the wall. So many of us turn and run the other way, or we just want to bust through or go around and shortcut what God is trying to do in us. Don't. Sit with, sit with it. It's one of the reasons we say it's okay not to be okay. But you have to be honest with yourself and with God and with other people in your life. Nobody can meet a need if you don't express it. Because so often our needs and what we're going through aren't as visible as this victim in the story. We don't usually wear t-shirts that say, I'm depressed. <laughs> right? I'm looking for work, whatever it is. So what kind of church do we want to be? So in closing, I want to ask for, for a response. Um, a long time ago, in another church far, far away, <laughs> I heard a pastor say, um, God started to rock his world with enlightenment and leading around the issues that he was supposed to be involved with and take his church to be involved with when he started praying a very simple but dangerous prayer. And um, what he said that he started praying was, God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? Would you help me see people the way that you see them? Would you help me set aside my own agenda, my own timeline, my own sense of self-importance, listen to you, and then lead me in how I'm supposed to respond to the very real hurts and needs that I see around me? So in just a second, I'm going to ask if you are willing, because all it takes is some willingness. You don't have to be 100% there and be like, yeah, that's, a, that's an easy one. Just if you have an ounce of willingness to pray, God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? I'm just going to ask you to stand. And if you're not ready, that's fine. Nobody's judging or keeping score. But if you're ready to pray that prayer with me, not just today, but maybe for a month or pray it until it no longer has any effect on you, which hopefully will be the rest of your life. But so if you're ready to pray that, would you stand? And what I like to do when I pray about matters of my heart is I like to take my hand and just place it over my heart. And would you pray with me, God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? May my heart be a place that you can live and be at home. 
a place from which you can lead me, speak to me, open my eyes, open my ears, Lord, open my mouth, that I may say things that you would have me say, that I would see people the way that you do. And then that we would be a church that lives from that place. That we'd be a church that reflects your heart and is about your agenda and your will being done. We give you all the credit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stay standing this morning. Nick, go ahead. <clears throat> this was overheard at the Red Sea. There is zero chance of us surviving today. <laughs> We better turn back and live in mediocrity and enslavement because that's our only hope of survival. But how many know that he split the sea so they could walk right through it? Maybe you're standing here today and saying, I need God to split the sea because what seems impossible hurts. But here we are ready to trust. Amen. So let's jo let's let's join together and sing that.